So I went to therapy. I was so resistant to it at first just because I'm a private person and I always keep my feelings to myself when it comes to strangers. But the therapist, she was she was a young therapist and I just felt very comfortable with her. From Girl Stands Incorporated, this is the What She Said podcast with your host, Rola Shea. Here, we understand that transitioning from a teenage girl to a thoughtful and thriving adult is a tough journey to travel. So why navigate the path alone when you can walk with women who've been in your shoes? So we invite you to come as you are with your mess, confusion, and stress and bloom with us into elegant, graceful, and resilient young women. You've just entered a safe space where black girls and young women speak their truth and differences without feeling judged or guilty about it. A space where you can acquire qualities that make you confident, mindful, mentally and emotionally healthy, and poised with an unshakable sense of belonging. So with your journals in hand and a receptive heart, let's hear what this week's resilience and graceful guest has to say. Welcome back to What She Said podcast. I am your host, Ro Anderson, and today we are speaking with Bakaya, and we're going to learn a little bit about her story, her upbringing, and how she has blossomed into the young woman she is today. Hi, Bakaya. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, Ro. Thanks for inviting me to this podcast. I am so excited to tell my story. Yes, I'm excited to hear it. I am. I'm always like super encouraged after one of these conversations. I'm like, yes. These girls will be strong and resilient. And, you know, I just, I always see myself and everyone that I talk to. And um, it's always empowering. So I am so excited you said yes. And yeah, let's talk about it. So before we begin, I like to give everyone the authority to let us know how you identify in this world. So how do you identify in ethnicity and gender? So I'm a Black girl. I love being Black. I wouldn't want to be any other race. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to poke at you a little bit about that, right? I never poked at anyone about this. I'm just curious because I was literally just listening to a YouTube short. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was talking about the idea of labeling yourself as black versus labeling yourself as your cultural. So Mm -hmm. for example, people in Africa may be like, I'm Ghana or I'm Haitian or I'm this, I'm not a color. Or people in Europe are like, I'm Irish. I'm I'm glad to be Irish. I'm glad to be this and that. What do you think about that? I honestly feel as if it's good that they know like their background like that deep but honestly I haven't you know dug deep into that like what exactly I am so I just identify as a African-American black girl honestly Mm -hmm. and the more I do research on I'll be able to discover you know what like where I really what tribe I come from you know yeah so in a sense you're saying like black is beyond the color to us at this point it is our culture it is this new culture that we've created because we weren't truly in tune with our origins of our tribe so therefore we got creative and we recreated this new culture called black right 
I love that. Look, ooh, <laughs> what she said. <laughs> we create a new culture. <laughs> and I think, I honestly, I think it's crazy how, like, um, you know, like, why people can say, oh, I'm Irish. Oh, I'm, you know, whatever else they are. But when it comes to Black people, we don't really have enough information on what we really are. And I feel like it's needed in our community. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, you know, we have the right to produce a new culture if that's what we choose to do. And if we mm-hmm. call it Black, that's what we do here in America. But yeah. the comments were that was under that did say... Um, Americans in the USA are the only ones that identify themselves with the color black or white. Mm-hmm. Other countries don't do that. So, you know, I look at, like you said, well, I actually didn't look at it like that, but you helped me come to that, that viewpoint of uh, maybe this is a new culture for us. That's, maybe this is something that we're like, giving ourselves to give us some, some sense of belonging here in this world. Mm-hmm. I like that. So, you know, I ask that because I know that you're a part of Generation Z, right? And you guys are really, you know, I tell you this all the time. We're having conversations with the other people of the tribe. I tell y'all, y'all just blow my mind the the way (laughs) y'all think and the maturity that you guys have and the integration of community that you have is just so different from what I grew up in and what I was around by. So tell me a little bit about what it's like growing up as a Gen Z. I honestly, I love it simply because we just don't, we don't care about what anybody has to say about us. We just do what we do, whether the other generations think we're just out of our minds about it or they don't agree with it, but we don't care. We're going to do it regardless. And obviously it's doing something good for everyone else. Like even talking to my parents, I've opened their minds to a lot of things that they didn't even realize that they weren't doing like while they were in our age uh, age range. And yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's dope for sure. Like I was telling our last guest, Generation Z is was considered, or the characteristics of Generation Z was the characteristics of social justice warriors. Mm-hmm. And then the next preceding generation after you guys is Generation Alpha. And Generation Alpha characteristics is being raised to be a global community. And I was like, well, that makes so much sense because Generation Z is kind of setting that stage for Generation Alpha because you guys are free, you know, Um, in your expression and your authenticity. And I remember a long time ago when you guys were rising, Oprah made a statement that still sticks with me to this day. She said, this is the freest generation that has ever existed. Mm -hmm. And everyone I talked to very much have that mindset. They have had things that tried to suppress them in some kind of way, but it's this this ingrained sense of I am going to be who I am going to be and you're not going to tell me who to be it's like prevalent in you guys generation (laughs) (laughs) and I'm here for it (laughs) yes I know like even battling just growing up Mm. and growing up in like a Christian family you know their Mm. beliefs are basically do what's right um cover your body be respectful, stuff like that. But I look at it as, even with the whole covering your body thing, like, okay, I understand, no, if you don't want to be provocative with what you're wearing, but don't judge me if I want to show a little skin, because I'm going to show it. I have this skin for a reason. I'm going to show it off. It's beautiful. 
and even i'm not gonna say they judge us but in a sense they do simply because we just don't care like we're gonna do it regardless of what he or she says or what the older people say i even know some older people they have a sense of just saying what they want to say and i don't know if it's because of their age but i remember one time this lady she was looking at my hair and she was like what you got going on with your hair and i was like what do you mean oh and as you know i wear my hair all types of different colors so i'm like what you mean and she was like you just got all these crazy colors in your hair and i'm like that's just how i like to express myself uh-huh. and she was like y'all young folks y'all just be doing anything and at that moment i'm like it was kind of disrespectful because for one i didn't ask her opinion and then like you kind not not you offended me but you uncomfortable with how i look really oh. you're uncomfortable yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna have black hair because that's how y'all grew up. Mm-mm. Not doing it. Right. That is definitely something that's you know it got a little rough for a little minute. I know I recall hearing some of old older people, some of our elders talk about how you know our mouths pretty much right. Like mm-hmm. we'll 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 clap back. Um, and it got rough for a bit, but now it's I think it's neutralizing to where older people do understand that there are boundaries and how you yes. speak to anyone, no matter their age group. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter her age or her being younger than you. You can't, you still can't just say whatever you want to say to someone or be intrusive to someone's expression in that way. I mean, you can, but I also don't have to engage with you, right? Exactly. <laughs> like I don't, I don't have to endure this. So I'm gonna let you have it and move on, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Exactly what I did. Exactly. So going back to what you said earlier, did you grow up in a Christian family? I did. I honestly did. Like going to church every Sunday, involved in almost every church activity. Like my mom right now, my mom and my stepdad are involved in like the marriage ministry of the church. Mm -hmm. So they have to hold meetings for all of the married people, just giving them advice on how to keep their marriage godly and you know how to just maneuver through marriage okay so with you having such a strong christian rituals i like to say instead of religions i like to say it's more so rituals um with you having that as an upbringing tell us a little bit about your your structure of your your home and family um what that looks like on a day-to-day basis did you guys like have rituals to where you woke up and pray or you know, every every other every week you had some type of ritual that the family did together. What what does it look like in their structured home with a, a, a somewhat of a strict Christian background? Um okay, so there's been situations where I didn't know what to do at the moment. So the response was just pray, you know? Mm-hmm. And I understand the whole praying thing, but it's like I need an answer now, you know, and God mm-hmm. isn't going to tell me right then and there. Sometimes he does, but you don't always get a response right then. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I usually look for a person to give me the advice that I need. So when I'm told to just pray about it, it's like you're not answering what I'm really asking you mm-hmm. as a person. So with everything with praying as a response to everything I just started feeling like what's the word um I don't even know how to to describe it like yes I pray about certain situations but that's not what I was looking for in the moment yeah and 
you know, I used to go to church camp <clears throat> as a child. I, I went to church, I mean, yeah, to the camps every summer. And, you know, it was fun, of course, you know, you reading the Bible and all of those type of things. But as I got older, you know, I just started realizing, like, I don't have to go to church every Sunday to prove that I believe in God. Yeah. And it was like, for my family, they're looking at me as if I don't take it serious. Mm-hmm. But I do. It's just not in the sense, it's not in the way that y'all would want me to. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, Akai, I'm curious. We're going to get into your upbringing a little bit in high school, how you experienced high school and how these structures either helped you or hindered you through high school into adulthood, right? Or um, into your 20s. But I'm curious before we get there, you know that we're all about mental health. That's what we're based on in the program that we um, are presented through Girls Dance. So one of the things we continuously come across in research is that um, us of the Black cultural like we very resistant to therapy and mental health modalities because of some of those structures that you mentioned, you know, you don't need to talk to anyone else. You need to pray about it mm-hmm. or, you know, the beliefs, cause I've heard this as well growing up or the beliefs that, you know, you shouldn't share your struggles with anyone outside of God right. or your family. Right. And they also have scriptures to support those sayings right but I think it's just taught incorrectly a little bit or the translation is off but what do you think about that tell us a little bit about your thoughts of that connection because like I said we have research papers that prove that sometimes as the black culture we struggle with even receiving or asking for mental health services because of the strict religious commandments of just praying about things right Honestly, um, there was a time in high school where I put myself into like a self-harming situation and my mom, she got worried about me. So, you know, we talked about it, like, why did I do it? I really didn't have a response of why I did it. I guess just wanted to feel the pain physically instead of emotionally and mentally, because that takes a toll on you. Like, it takes a very big toll on you. But Overall, the conclusion was I ended up going to therapy. My mom found me a Black therapist, and I'm happy that she did. So I went to therapy. I was so resistant to it at first just because I'm a private person, and I always keep my feelings to myself when it comes to strangers. But the therapist, she was was a young therapist, and I just felt very comfortable with her. So I was telling her, like, how I was feeling. I just started telling her, like, my thoughts and feelings – that I couldn't tell my mom. And I just felt very comfortable with it. So to this day, I was probably, how old was I? I was like 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. But to this day, I thank my mom for, I thank my mom for putting me, well, finding a therapist for me to help with my mental state at that moment, because I don't know what I would have done without it. You know, you can always, well, I know I can always talk to my mom about everything, but just being able to talk to someone else who could help and understand it helped me out a whole lot. So I always encourage people, like, if you're going through something mentally, go to a therapist. That's what that's what they're here for. Man, that's so, such a good, um, such a good advice. Yeah. So how long has it been since you've been out of high school? Um, it's been four years. Four years. Okay. And you did that, you attempted that in high, was it high school, 16? Yes. High school, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's let's just talk about this journey a little bit. Um, 
from middle school to high school. So kind of share with us, you know, what it was like in middle school and high school. If I'm not mistaken, you aren't from Chattanooga, correct? Okay, so um, I was born in Chattanooga, so I'm from here. Okay. But my mom was a traveling therapist, so we were like all over the place. Gotcha. We ended up moving to Baltimore. That's basically where I grew up in my, like, at a younger age. So that's basically what grounded me to be, you know, kind of the person I am today. We ended up moving back to Chattanooga when I was in eighth grade, and I've been here since. Okay. Okay, but you, you know, you, you had a little experience um, traveling at school. At the time when your mom was a traveling nurse, did you have like stability with one school or were you kind of homeschool? What did that look like? I was going from school to school like every year. I didn't wow. stay at the same school until I was in like middle, no, elementary school to middle school. Mm-hmm. I went to once, I went to my first school in Baltimore when I was in second grade, I think. And then on up, no I ended up okay second grade I went to one school then third grade I ended up going to another school stayed there all of my elementary the rest until fifth grade then middle school and then we came back to Chattanooga gotcha okay so do you tell me a little bit about if you what do you feel about that traveling what's the good and the bad or not I don't like to say bad but what's the good and not so good of Mm -hmm. that experience because you did do it a little early right um so you kind of got a little stability in high school before high school it sounds like so mm-hmm. you did do it a little early but still what did how did that shape you in a sense um when it comes to meeting new people um diversity and all these things it really helped me to um adapt to new environments very quickly so I was able to go to these new schools meet new people and then once it was over I'm just like okay time to readjust I'm going somewhere new Mm-hmm. and you have to learn new things but as a like being younger I really didn't the only I guess you could say not downfall but hard for me was making friends and keeping friends so I never I had to change friends every year you know yeah so once I finally got to a school where I could actually make friends I was happy I was so happy and when I ended up leaving in middle school it kind of made me upset because I'm like dang like I grew up with these people and I have to leave them and mm-hmm. make new friends all over again. Yeah, that sounds rough. Um, but also exciting. Like for me, I was in the same place since like kindergarten to high school. Mm-hmm. So I was like over it. I wanted to travel. <laughs> I wanted to travel. I wanted to go different places. So it's like, you know, oftentimes we think our circumstances is the worst and another person wants it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I for sure just, I wanted to um, travel a little bit more. I was, I mean, I didn't even go to the, to the college that was recommended for me because I knew all my peers was going. I was like, I'm kind of overseeing these people. Like we've been seeing each other since kindergarten. Right. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it was, it was different for me. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it a little bit more. So I'm thinking let's start at age 13, between 13 to about 15 years old. That's that's transitioning into eighth grade, if I'm not mistaken. You're 13 going into eighth grade, and that's when you come back to Chattanooga. Got you. Okay. So, Bakaya at 13 through 15, what was that like? What was your personality like? What was it like coming back to Chattanooga, creating new friends up until high school? What What was your world like in that space? How did you 
interact with other kids like you because I recall us having a conversation outside of this podcast and you were saying like Baltimore was so different from Chattanooga yes like the people the experiences so tell us a little (laughs) bit about what you were experiencing in Chattanooga when you got back and what you were feeling okay so seventh grade to eighth grade I'm gonna be honest in seventh grade I was like I was reckless I did not care attitude was terrible adults I was a like authority could not tell me anything I just felt like I was just shit basically you know Mm -hmm. so moving from up north and then coming down south it was a huge transition because I mean down south you know people have more respect in a way like they have more manners than they do up north Mm -hmm. so from me going from up north to down south it was like a a cultural shock Mm -hmm. it was like one of the first days I remember at a, a school I went to down here and the teacher he was saying something to me like he it was kind of off the wall but I was about to like go off on him but I had to remember I'm like okay I'm down south they're not gonna respond to me like how they did up north so I had to tap in real quick like girl you better not say that ain't no telling what they gonna do so <laughs> I had to like be more respectful remember how I would talk to people I re- it was like a I had to change my whole attitude when I came down south because living up north it's almost like a I'm not gonna stay you just get pushed out there and you have mm-hmm. to learn by yourself. But basically you have to stand your ground when you're up north. Yeah, I think I think the listeners can, you know, kind of feel what you're saying there. I mean, I've never lived up north, but I've definitely traveled and experienced some northern states. And it's definitely um, a little bit more intense than the south. Yes, <laughs> yes. I remember my first trip to um, the north and I was at the grocery store and you know again southern hospitality we say excuse me we we, Mm -hmm. you know we kind of nod our heads and smile at people as we greet them even if we don't know them I'm doing it up north walking down the street and people are gonna be like I'm crazy or not even making eye contact with me you know like they're not even looking at you Or like when I went to the grocery store, I um I was looking, you know, I'm I'm sitting here trying to, you know, contemplate on what I want, right? The North don't move that slow. They just like, we know we coming to get, we not finna stand here in front of the cold aisle trying to look and understand what we want. So I'm standing here like, do I want watermelon or cantaloupe? <laughs> like, yes, I'm standing here. It's life. Yeah, I'm standing here thinking, right? And like five people just come and like reach in front of me, just like rude, just came and put their hands in front of my face while I'm sitting up here watching looking they just grabbed their stuff and walked on like I wasn't even standing there they never said excuse me and I caught a whole attitude I was like what what that ain't rude like what and you know I had to get used to the customs I had a friend up there and he was just like listen listen honey you're gonna have to move on this train you have to move forward you can't be doing all that excuse me this and that stuff move I was like dang I don't like this (laughs) so yeah I get it Um, I even remember um I remember a time I was going to dance practice. It was in the middle of Baltimore City. Mm-hmm. Those people everywhere. You got homeless people, um, people getting off of work. It was just traffic back to back. So I was probably about, let's say, I was probably about seven years old, eight or nine. I can't remember, honestly. But I had to walk across this busy street. So my mom, she parked. She's like, okay, you got it. Make sure you look both ways. So get to the edge of the road, look both ways. And I had to book it across the street. (laughs) But I remember like, 
having to do that very often just because my mom don't got time to stop in the middle of this road to let me out in front of the building. You got to mm-hmm. keep it going. Yeah. So when I moved down south, I'm like, dang, your mama walking you in into practice. Like, <laughs> why she just ain't dropping you off? You know what I'm saying? So right. it, was just, <laughs> it was just so different. <laughs> right. That's funny. So, okay. So, Vakaya going into high school, let's say we're at ninth grade now. How was your, explain to us like your high school experience. Share, share with us some things that were challenging and also what was good as you come into high school, um, making friends and coming from a new state, still, you still kind of fresh, even though you were born here, some things have shifted and changed. So tell us a little bit about your high school experience. High school, mm, high school is kind of rocky for me, honestly, because what can I say? I was still trying to, you know, adjust to the people that live down here. So girls would like kind of start drawing with me. I think it was honestly because I was just different and wasn't accustomed to the way things were mm-hmm. down south. So I would always be in drama and I wasn't used to being in drama simply because I was always by myself, I guess. So I used to try to avoid like the drama that I would be in in high school, but it always came to me because I was just an outspoken blunt person. So mm-hmm. when I would, you know, speak my mind, they would take offense to it instead of taking it in and realizing I'm just telling you how I feel, but it was hard. It was really hard. So would you say that you experienced a lot of bullying? It wasn't even, it wasn't even really bullying. It was just having to stand my ground Mm -hmm. and not letting people disrespect me or run over me in a way that made me look like a bad person. Yeah. So like when when I hear you saying it's kind of like assertiveness, like setting your boundaries and saying, Mm -hmm. hey, you can't no, you can't do that to me. Right. I love that. You know, a lot of girls don't have that strength. Um, a lot of girls may feel like they're not a confrontational person. So they even avoid speaking up in that way of saying like, hey, back up. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's beautiful that you had that. Do you feel like some of that came from you being in Baltimore or do you feel like some of it came from your your um, religious background? Okay, I feel... I feel as if some of it, well, majority of it did come from Baltimore just simply because um, the attitude that people held up north, you have to, you know, you don't you don't let nobody step on, on your toes. Don't let nobody disrespect you. Um, but really, people didn't really give you respect in Baltimore, so you had to earn that respect. So even in high school, I felt the need that I needed to have these people earn my respect. Like, don't come talking to me crazy because I'm, I'm going, we're going to get at it, you know? So What she said. Yeah, so instead of being soft, I had to kind of be a mean girl, for, like, I guess you could say. Yeah, you know, mean girl, assertive girl. I don't think assertive girls are mean. Uh-huh. You know, like you said, I think it's just girls who stand their ground. Yeah. Mean girls are more so the ones that, that seek out vulnerability and pick on it. Uh-huh. So I don't think that's what you're saying. You're saying that you protected yourself from those who tried to prey upon your your, your you who tried to prey upon you and your newness and your vulnerability of being new. Yes, definitely. So yeah, you're definitely not a mean girl. So with that, you know, I do want to talk about, you know, you mentioned that around 16 to 17 that you tried to attempt Uh self-harm. And um, earlier you also stated that you wasn't really aware of where those emotions came from, but you wanted 
to feel a release in a sense physically mostly more than emotionally because emotionally is a little bit heavier right right so can you think about like what led you to think of these things or before we even go there let's talk about how did you even find out about attempting to self-harm how did you know that that was even an option um really just seeing the people at school like it was a girl I remember it was a girl she used to have all these marks on her arm. And, you know, one day I asked her, I was like, what are those marks on your arm? And she was like, oh, it's just from when I, like, self-harmed myself. And I was like, what was going on? And she was just telling me, like, she was just sad and depressed. So she felt that it was okay to self-harm herself. But she really couldn't explain or voice her feelings also of why she did it instead of, you know, crying I guess you could say Mm -hmm. so would you say like that kind of influenced you to make that choice when you felt those emotions it was almost like a oh I want to try that type of thing so Mm. I was it was I was breaking up with my boyfriend at the time and I'm not going to say I did it because of him but I did it more so that I could hurt him so I you know self-harmed myself sent him a picture of it and he was like basically like oh my gosh like why would you do that woo, woo, woo. and I was basically responding like you don't love me but I was I was only doing it to make him feel bad you know what I'm saying so I wasn't really doing it for myself I was doing it to hurt somebody else interesting this this can this can get deep right um uh-huh. and I'm I'm trying to sort through my questions because I have so many right because I deal with young girls and there's also the rising research of the increase of self-harm with girls and um, I've also witnessed that um, amongst some girls that I've mentored and been in the same space with in different schools who've you know come with tons of band-aids on and scars and stuff and I've had some of those conversations and like you said a lot of times they aren't able to even verbalize or even have the language for why they're mm-hmm. doing that. So then it, it comes up to me, okay, is there some type of influence in this space as well that's causing it to be a trend of some sort? Right. Or is it really a lack of self-awareness? You know, well, you know, pausing for a moment to even think about that part that I just stated, right? Like, yeah. Being easily influenced is also somewhat of a lack of self-awareness in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you just sharing it. I've never heard that part of someone's attempt to self-harm. So yeah. going back into that, how many times did you try that? Um, just that one time, honestly. Okay. So it wasn't a, co- a continuous thing. Mm-mm. So after you, I just had to, my bad. I just had to like come to like to sense, like, don't do that again. You were only doing it. You had, you only did that for one reason. Don't make that a habit, basically. I basically had to tell myself, do not make that a habit. You were trying to hurt somebody else. And you ended up hurting yourself while while trying to hurt somebody else. And that's not good for your mental health either. Yeah, like, I can only imagine what your mom felt when she witnessed that. Mm-hmm. You know, on top of that, like, was it therapy that helped you get to that point of self-awareness? Because that's some strong self-awareness to say, you know what, I recognize why I did this. And that was, that wasn't the best response. 
yeah. to trying to upset someone or just trying to, or even just understanding your own emotions. But was it therapy? What what helped you get to that place of self-awareness? And like, no, that's not um, going to happen. What, um, therapy. Or did you get there before therapy or did you get there after therapy? Yeah, I got there after therapy. Okay. Just doing some, you know, self-growth. And for the longest, I really couldn't tell anyone why I did it. But once I realized why I did it, just from like growing and understanding myself, mm-hmm. I realized that I did that just to hurt somebody else. Yeah, it sounds like you had a, some direction and guidance and self-growth and self-worth. Mm-hmm. That's right. When you strengthen your self-worth, you realize like, why would you, you know, you kind of ask that question of why would you want to hurt yourself or someone else? Right. You know, that self-worth piece is a big thing. So after that, after that happens, you recover. Mm-hmm. You're still in high school, right? So how does the rest of high school go on at this point for you? So the rest of high school, so we we ended up kind of like messing around again, but we weren't like actually like boyfriend and girlfriend. So you're talking about the guy yeah. that you initially did this. Okay, yeah. But over time, I just realized like it was just time to end it. So... High school goes on, still dealing with drama. Then senior year comes, and I'm like, okay, I need to take a break because I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing like a social media break right before graduation, just trying to get myself together, figuring out what I wanted to do after high school. And honestly, just the whole social media break did a lot for me. Just being like on the outside, looking in on what everyone else was still doing, I was like, I'm glad I took myself away from that, like, environment. Mm-hmm. But when graduation came, I was just refreshed. Everybody saw me. They're like, Where, what you been doing? I'm like, nothing working. But it was almost like a new beginning for me. Mm-hmm. That sounds, I can hear it. Like, I can, <laughs> I can hear the refreshing of your voice. Like, once you talk about, like, taking that social media break, it, it definitely can be yes, refreshing. Definitely. Even as a, an adult now, like, something I definitely still have to do. Okay, cool. So we out of high school now. Should we grown, right? <laughs> we think we grown at 18, but we grown. Nah. <laughs> we out of high school uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> did you, um, after high school, did you go off to college? I didn't go off to college, but I ended up going to cosmetology school. Okay. And just started my path of being a hairstylist. Okay. So were you doing hair in high school or was it something that you started doing like after high school? I started doing hair like off and on throughout high school, but I knew I wanted to take it serious after high school. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hair, doing hair is fun. I was doing hair when I was growing up and um, I'm curious about, you know, the hair styling thing. I know it's something really big in our culture as uh, people of the African diaspora. Um, but I'm also curious, like, is did you feel supported in any other endeavor? Did you feel talented in any other ways um, outside of hairstyling? Or, you know, hairstyling can definitely be, you know, your passion and where you want to go in life. But I'm just curious on, was that your choice? Or did you feel like that was something that was uh, pushed onto you culturally? Because that is big in our culture. I've always been into doing hair. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my aunts, on like my mom and dad, uh, they did hair. So I just felt like it was in me to do hair, and I was always so good at it. But I also um, started, you know, making clothes and sewing for a little while after high school as well. And I 
had a class in high school. It was a fashion design class in high school that I took. And that's what really like woke up like, oh, I need to be sewing and making clothes, just putting my creativity into this clothing. So mm-hmm. I, for a while I was doing hair and, you know, just come like upcycling clothes that I found in my closet just as a space for me to be creative. Gotcha. Yep. You know what? That's so funny. That was the first time I met you was when you were helping LJ with sewing clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't even know you was a hairstylist at that time, right? I just yes. met you in that space. So I, for- I completely forgot that that's also a talent of yours. That's super cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Okay, so now you're a hairstylist. You never went to college. Did you ever want to go to college? Was that something that was kind of like, hmm, or yay? I did want to go to college just for like the experience, but mm-hmm. I knew that I was not going to take that schoolwork serious. So I was like, don't even waste that money. Don't even go. So I just ended up going to hair school because that was something else I was interested in. Yeah. So now you're a stylist. You're still a stylist, correct? Yes. Okay. And we're going to shout out your uh, page and how to book you too. So now you're a stylist. How has that been going for you as an adult, you know, um, building a career around that and making that your, your full-time thing? You know, give our listeners a bit of insights of what it's like to live the life of a stylist getting started and flourishing Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times girls do want to get into that space but they aren't aware of the business aspect of it right and what that can look like so give us some insight about you know you starting off as a stylist maybe some mentors that's coming to your life to where you are now Mm -hmm. I remember I had just got my license it's going to be two years in August. But I remember when I first started, I was like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to get a suite. I'm going to do my hair. Because it's really big to have your own suite. But that really wasn't the best choice for me. So I was doing hair on my own in a suite. I didn't know how to get clientele. I just didn't have the knowledge that I needed to grow as a hairstylist at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So it came to a point where I was drained. I was ready to quit doing hair because I just wasn't inspired anymore. I didn't have a will to do hair. So I ended up making a status on Facebook, like I'm finna stop doing hair. So on the status, there was like multiple people giving me words of encouragement, but that still wasn't enough for me to keep doing hair. So a stylist ended up coming on my status and was like, hey, um, give me a call. I need, I wanna see you tomorrow. So I ended up calling her we had like a sit down meeting type of thing. And she was like, how would you feel to be my assistant? I was excited. I was like, yes, like this is a new beginning for me. Uh, I'm going to learn so much. So I ended up being her uh, assistant in the hair salon. And I learned so much from her just from being a beginner hairstylist in the game. And uh, let's say I was almost a year in as an assistant and I was kind of getting tired of working for someone else. So um, I started getting drained, started getting tired of going to the salon every morning. And it just came to a point where I was kind of slacking um, being an assistant. So we ended up separating. I got my own suite now currently. And um, doing hair on my own now is way more smoother than it was in the beginning. I still have like I still have to build my clientele but I'm in a point where I'm kind of detaching from it just trying to venture off and figure out what else I want to do 
mm-hmm. and how to um let's say how else I can grow my hair platform in a way to attract more clients. So I'm still doing hair, just not as much as I was. Just to, you know, take a break, sit back, analyze what else I can be doing to grow my business. Gotcha. So you're currently in the space of um, trying to figure it out of how to grow your business. Yes. But you're pretty consistent though, right? Like with your cert- with your um, clientele right now at the moment? Yeah, it's pretty consistent. You know, I have my regular clients that come in, but at the time I'm not looking for a new clients, mm-hmm. but I will still do my regular clients here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. So you've had pretty, a pretty interesting journey mm-hmm. as a young girl of the South, AKA Baltimore yeah. too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you had a pretty interesting upbringing. Now, would you say now where you are in this very moment, there are some practices from your upbringing that you still practice when it comes, you know, we talked about family saying, Hey, pray about it mm-hmm. or things of that nature. Do you utilize any of these things in these moments to get you through the hard times the challenging times? What are some of your practices of resilience? Um, I do still pray. Give some clarification as I'm still moving along this journey. I just recently started journaling And that's been really good for me, just getting my thoughts out, writing it down and going back and reading how I felt at that moment. You know, even being on Instagram and listening to like spiritual people and just listening to their advice has been it's been good. It's been good for me currently, even though like life is like a it's like a roller coaster right now, too, though. It has its ups and downs. It's like living in the matrix and still trying to get out of it so it's like ooh, what what am I supposed to do next or am I doing the right thing do I need to sit down do I need to keep going it's a lot to take in and it's it's a lot to release also so I have to take time to myself where I'm like okay don't overwork yourself stop overthinking write it down go back look at it and then put in that work Mm -hmm. yeah that sounds like a a dope business plan, <laughs> plan of action for sure. Yeah. I mean, those are similar to some of the practices I use as well. Um, for sure. Like I, I constantly have to reevaluate things, understand new paths. So, you know, that, that what you're experiencing right now, it kind of never ends as long as you're a creative person, as long as you're a person that's um, seeking some type of creation of this world. I don't think that structure and space ever completely ceases. Right. But um, I think we just get better at how we ha- how we hold that, hold those spaces mm-hmm. and how we respond to them as well. So after the pandemic, right. we come out of high school. So you guys, let's see, we've been in the pandemic almost three years. Well, we coming out this third year. Uh-huh. So yeah. you was kind of, yeah. you had one year outside of high school free and then the pandemic came. Is that correct? Is my math yes. right? Okay. So yeah. how how has it been to like live in the pandemic up until now? I know you guys grew up in a social media world, right? Uh-huh. So I'm just curious, like as you as your upbringing of um partially social media, how did how did the pandemic affect you in any kind of way? Honestly, I was still moving during the during like the beginning of the pandemic. Like 
Mm-hmm. I still had to, was I doing here? No, actually I was working at Walmart and I was just about to start uh, doing hair at the first week that I was in. But even in that, it was like trying to still be safe, but also I still need to get some money and mm-hmm. perfect my craft. And it was kind of hard trying to balance that. Like the pandemic really didn't, it didn't take too much of a toll for me. Yeah, I was still living like like it was regular. I'm not going to lie. Pandemic yeah. really, it, it really didn't affect me, honestly. Yeah, the pandemic wasn't all that bad for everybody. Yeah. You know, so you was one of the lucky ones that, that was like, yeah, this ain't too bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. So where do you want to be? I hate this question somewhat, but I'm still going to ask it. <laughs> Like, where do you want to be in the next few years, next five years? What is What vision do you have for yourself? In the next few years, I really want to be like a, I want to be a stylist that works like on photo shoot sets or if it's like a emergency, not, I ain't even going to say emergency, but it's like, I don't really want to work in a salon in a few years. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to be a on-call type of hairstylist. Gotcha. I even want to, you know, get more into making clothes. That's kind of part for me. Also, just trying to balance what do I want to do, like, today. So it's a day-by-day question. Yes, honestly. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely a day-by-day just to see how everything unfolds. But I know in these few years, fashion is going to be, like, my number one priority. And hair is just, like, a, a on-call type of stylist. I'm planning on open. I really want like a storefront store to sell like the clothes that I've designed in them and just to sell different pieces that people, you know, you can come in and shop. Cool. So what inspires you these days or who inspires you? I know I've been listening to this um, lady on Instagram called The Hood Healer. Uh She is so inspirational to me, just like from her messages, how real she is about just life situations. So she's probably someone I, that inspires me right now. I also get inspired by women who tell like their story of how they've gotten to where they are today. Because, you know, life has its downfalls. Everyone has to keep going. But just hearing people's different stories, nobody goes through the same thing. So just hearing how they have moved through and overcome those, you know, difficulties is inspiring, inspiring to me. I love it. I have, yeah, I've definitely heard of the Hood Healer. She's been around for a minute. Yes, I love her. <laughs> Interesting character. She definitely has a free freedom of expression as well. So, Bakaya, as we end our conversation, mm-hmm. this is really, really good to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better and to give you the space to share your truth, how you overcome some challenges and some experiences that many people can relate to. I want to give you the opportunity to affirm yourself through one word. And this one mm-hmm. word describes your power. It describes your resilience and your grace. Um, one word that I would say is, that describes me is she is tenacious. Mm-hmm. Tenacious, I love it. Let's see what tenacious. Let's look <laughs> up the, the uh, dictionary. The dictionary. And it's crazy um, because I was, I was going through words and I was like, ooh, what does that mean? I feel like I looked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good one to describe myself. I love it. Tenacious (laughs) means holding fast, characterized by keeping a firm hold. 
highly retentive, persistent, stubborn, adhesive, (laughs) (laughs) holding together, not easily pulled asunder. Tough. I love that. Yes. Well, thank you so much. This was really good. It was a really good conversation. I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed learning about you, your upbringing, and wow, I'm sure you're going to inspire some of our listeners. Yes. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. So you do well. And oh, before we leave, you got to share your Instagram handles, your creative handles, um, your hairstylist page, those good things. So let us know where to find you. So my hair uh, page is V Vibrant, V dot V dot V I B R A N T 20. And you can find me on Instagram. I do have a hair page on Facebook that I'm about to start up, which is V Vibrant 20. All righty. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. What feelings are you left with after hearing today's episode? What did today's episode spark in you? Did you hear something that you feel is hard to apply to your life? Or did something powerfully resonate with you? DM us on Instagram at girlstandschop and let's talk about it. Are you a girl between the age of 13 and 24 looking to master self-awareness, calmness, and elegance? Think of joining our upcoming programs at girlstands.org. Oh, and don't forget to leave us the ratings on iTunes and Spotify so more young women can grow with us. In the meantime, check out all the links located in our podcast description for more information. What She Said is presented by Girl Stems Incorporated, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that specializes in guiding girls to strengthen internal resources to navigate dysfunctional patterns at the level of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors.